What's up, guys? This is Perfectly Imperfect, an unscripted journey, and I am your host, Abby McDonald. Thank you so much for pressing play. This is a special one for me today. I am so excited to bring you my oldest niece, Chloe Lynn. Hey, Chloe. Hi. (laughs) I'm going to start off with having Chloe tell you guys just a little bit about herself. Chloe? I'm Chloe. I am the daughter of your oldest sister, Erin, and my dad, Shane. Two siblings, Riley and Carter. I, as you said, am the oldest niece. I made all of you guys aunts and made Mimi and Papa grandparents, so, you know, kind of a big deal. I am a junior at The Ohio State University. I'm at the Newark branch, which suits me perfectly. I'm a psych major with a focus in abnormal studies. I want to work in behavioral health at Children's. I always have wanted to work with kids, and I was going to be a teacher, and then Donnie was like, no, don't do it. I have like two jobs. I work for a theater company that I've been with since I was like 10 maybe, and I work for a production company in Mount Vernon and we put on all of the concerts like last night I just did a concert with Paul Reiser and had to deal with all the people and stuff and yeah so there's that's me very cool Chloe's experience with my addiction through the eyes of a child makes me so emotional honestly to even discuss because you truly don't understand how addiction can affect the children that are involved And I never truly knew how it affected my Chloe until much later in life. And yes, she was very young, so she had no idea what was going on, but it absolutely affected her. And I'm going to have Chloe tell you a little bit about her experience with Aunt Abby's addiction. I was really young. I was really little when everything went down, but like I wasn't small enough where I didn't know anything that was going on. I knew something was wrong and like something was up, but I was like 11 maybe and I wasn't putting pieces together. I didn't know what was going on. You lived with us for a while. I do remember that. I was really, really close to you Mm -hmm. for that whole giant first portion of my life because you were always around. You went with us, you did everything and you lived with us and you were there. I'd wake up and you were there. Then you were gone. It was just like one day, I remember it, we were at Riley's basketball game and mom walked up to me because I despise basketball. I will go and watch Riley and Jack, but I don't like it. So I was in a different gym doing something and she was like, hey, text your Aunt Abby and tell her that you love her. And I was like, why? And she goes, just do it. She's not going to answer you. And it's okay, but just do it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so I did. And she was right, you didn't answer because obviously you weren't allowed. But then you were gone for what felt like an eternity right. for me. Even like before you were gone, you were gone. You weren't there. Absolutely. I do my shows with theater or even my softball games and like Donnie was there, and Nikki would even show up to some stuff that Mimi and Papa were at. And I remember being at a softball tournament, and everyone was there. Uncle Brad was there, like everyone, because this was like a big, it was a big tournament. And I remember I was sitting on second, and I was looking over, and I was just like, everyone's here, but Abby. Mm-hmm. 
Abby's not there. I knew that you loved me, but like at the same time, I was like, did, I was like, did I do something? Does she just not care that much? Like, what? I don't understand what's going on. I was like, whatever. I can't. I can't control anything. I'm like 14. I can't do anything. So went on with everything. I that's when I kind of like stopped expecting you to be at things. Yeah. I hope that you would be at things and. If you were there, I was, like, overjoyed. I stopped looking for you and was, like, stopped expecting you to be there. And I think in my theater things is where it hit the most. Not softball, because that's not where we connected. But when you weren't coming to my shows that I was, like, putting so much effort into and, like, was so proud of myself for doing and I was just, like, whatever. I guess I'll go be a mermaid on stage for everyone else. Right. Yeah, a big thing that Chloe and I share, a passion of ours, is singing. Mm -hmm. It's something that I did for a very long time, and then seeing the passion also in my niece was amazing. And I loved watching her perform. And when my addiction took over, that was definitely one of the first things that was taken from me and taken from my family, really because being at these events was difficult for me. Using and not finding the things that I needed to stay well, I wasn't able to be around my family because I didn't want them to figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. But in turn, missing out on so many important things. But luckily, my niece has continued to perform and sing and do things to showcase her talent that I have been able to be a part of mm -hmm. since getting clean. And it has been an honor to watch. And I hope that you continue it because she has an amazing voice and I would love to put her on the spot right now <laughs> and make her sing something for you. But I would be so upset if someone did that to me. <laughs> so I won't do that to you, but maybe another time. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, like now you haven't missed a thing. You've come, you came to talent shows. Like if I was even doing this little thing on the square Mount Vernon, you're like, when, where, how do I, what do I have to do to get there? Yeah. Which just shows the difference between yeah. someone that is truly strapped from active addiction. Mm -hmm. Because it takes everything from you. And it's not, when people say they're not even the same person, Correct. Yeah. They are not the same person. They are completely different and they are li literally fueled off of drugs and the getting and using every single day because it's the only way that they can function. Your body is addicted fully at this point and being without it is not an option mm -hmm. because the best way to describe it is you feel like you're dying you absolutely believe that without the drugs, you cannot get through to the next day. Do you remember the things that I would come to when I was in my active addiction though? Because I'm sure there were times that I tried to make things, maybe didn't stick around very long. <laughs> I know that you were young, but do you remember things like that? Yeah, I do. I remember when you would make it to things you'd make it a point and it not just for me but like anyone 
that you came to, you'd make it a point that we'd see you so that you could say that you were there and we knew that you were there and we couldn't get mad at you then because you were there, but you'd leave like really fast. Especially like softball games where we were out in the open, we were surrounded by a bunch of people. I remember you would make it, you'd be sitting next to Papa or in between mom and Donnie or someone and you'd be there for a little bit, maybe the first inning. And then I'd look past dad, who was always the first base coach, and you were gone. And I was just like, whatever. I, you made it to one inning, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> right. Knowing what you know now, does it make you look at those situations any differently? Because I'm sure that you had some anger as a child, wondering why, I'm sure in your mind, you weren't important enough yeah. for me to be at those things. That was the main feeling that I had. It was more of, I always thought, like, I don't know, was I doing something wrong? I always felt, especially, I mean, and I love everybody, but, like, you and Aunt Nikki, I feel like I'm the closest to, and I just think it's because we're so cl- we're closer in age. Mm-hmm. Donnie's more like a, another mother mm-hmm. to me. Well, you grew up next door yeah. to her. <laughs> But it was, it was like, is there really something more important that you have to go do than sit here for maybe an hour and watch me play a softball game that I did for 13 years of my life or come to a show that you out of all people know how hard are to put on Mm -hmm. and sit there for maybe two hours you don't even have to drive yourself if that's a problem. We have grand. I have grandparents that will come and get you. I have parents that will come and get you. It was more of yeah. oh yeah, the transportation was never the issue. <laughs> yeah. I do. I remember I being very angry, but it and it was all kept inside. I probably could have, but I was like, I can't go tell mom that I hate her sister because she's not coming my stuff. That's selfish. But at the same time, that's not selfish for an eleven-year-old. Yeah, you were young. Yeah. I mean, 11, 12, whatever year, because that was when my addiction was, Mm -hmm. you know, at its peak. Do you feel that you have some compassion for addicts or addiction now? Or do you feel that none of that's changed and it's still very much a choice? No, I 100% have compassion and I think especially like even talking to my friends and people I go to school with I feel like my view on addicts and addiction is very different than like a lot of people my age because a lot of people my age are like you can just not do it listen listen guys I bet you if my aunt could have not done it and come to our stuff and been part of our family and not like almost literally been kicked out by everybody she wouldn't have done it It starts off as a choice, and I will completely agree with that. The progression that led up to me picking up heavy drugs Mm -hmm. and not just experimenting was definitely a conscious choice. But when I was already in it with the pain pills after my car accident, And then having somebody completely take those away from you and feeling the way that I felt in my body, like I was literally dying. 
I saw no other way but to continue to use. Mm -hmm. So that is when it was no longer about a choice. It was about me getting well to again, get through to the next moment, the next hour, the next day. I'm glad that you're able to see that. Mm -hmm. I think that the hard part of addiction is when you are clean or when you get clean, like I have, and then you make a conscious choice yeah. to go use again. That's on you. Absolutely. That's 100% well, on you. It's, it's the same if I step out tomorrow mm -hmm. and decide I'm going to go get some pills or mm -hmm. I'm going to get heroin. That is a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. I've been clean for 10 years. Yeah. So if I step out and do that, that's on me. Mm -hmm. And there is nobody in the world to blame but me. Do you feel being exposed to addiction so early on and having parents that were so open and talking about it helped you at all with the decision making towards drugs and alcohol through your life? Yeah, I do. Because I, my sophomore year of college, I moved down to Columbus, which was like the worst mistake I ever made in my whole life. And I've made some mistakes. But <laughs> being exposed and having all of the knowledge helped me in some ways, but also I feel like being not even 21 when I was down there, I was 18 turning 19 or 19 turning. I don't know. I have no perception of time <laughs> and to drink on a campus and to experiment with stuff is like inevitable. It's going to happen. Peer pressure is a thing and it's going to happen. And so I can say I definitely drank and used enough stuff my sophomore year to last my entire life. That was the darkest point in my entire life. I never left my dorm. I literally flunked out of school and was sent back to Newark and they were like, hey, Miss Girl, if you don't get this fixed, we're gonna have to, they say ask you to study at another university, but it's, you're, they're kicking you out. Well, yeah. I left Columbus with a GPA of 0 0.9, which is literally like impossible. The bare minimum is a two point and that's a C average. I had professors emailing me and they're like, what are you doing? You haven't been in class in like three weeks. So what do you feel like happened? I have this crippling fear of change for some reason. My therapist now and I have like brought it down to COVID being a huge part of it. And just like my senior year was so traumatic because we went into lockdown. My grandpa died two weeks before I graduated and he was like trying with everything to make it to my graduation. He's part of the only reason I went to Ohio State. And like all that stuff happened in 2020 and it was like too much for an 18 year old to handle. And so I have a crippling fear of change and I was forced, it wasn't my choice to go to Columbus. I was forced to go to Columbus because of the major I thought I wanted wasn't offered at Newark. To add on to that, two weeks after I had gotten to Columbus, my roommate left while I was in class. I came back and she was gone. So now, I am alone in Columbus, Ohio, on the south side of Columbus, where my dean 
is emailing us, only the people in my dorm, saying, hey, don't leave after 9 p.m. because you're going to get shot. Which wasn't true. (laughs) No, but it was three locks to just get into our building. I felt so unsafe. And I just, I already have quote-unquote seasonal depression. And so it was the fall semester, so it was cold. I had just slipped so far and I had cut everyone off. And I was lying to everybody. I was telling you, I was telling everyone. I was like, oh, I'm fine. My grades are fine. I have friends. I'm doing all this stuff. As I was actually just laying in my bed because if I was so afraid of what I was going to do if I got out of bed. It was literally the scariest point in my life. And I had I dealt with mental health before. I have really bad anxiety and all this stuff through high school and everything, but that was bad. I had come home every weekend. I'd come home because I, I was so scared to sleep there. I'd come home one day and I was sitting with mom and I was like, I'm gonna drop out. And she goes, no, you're not. She thought I was joking. And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm being serious. I think next semester I'm not, I'm not taking classes. And she goes, so we're not gonna do that. And then my dad walked in. She goes, tell your dad what you just said. And I was like, I don't think so. No, thank you. (laughs) So then he sat down and I told him. And he was like, why? And that's when I had to tell him. I was like, I'm failing. Right. So do you feel like you were then able to be open with them because of how they have always been so open with you? I'm sure you knew you could go to them. Yeah. But... A commonality that we have in our family and and people in life it it takes a lot sometimes Mm -hmm. to get us to finally open up and ask for help so I think that you had all of those things in the back of your mind like you knew you could go to any of us anybody but you got pushed to a certain point and then you were able to open up to them yeah and how did they receive that that was my one of my dad's main questions was why didn't you come tell us sooner and I literally looked at him and I was like I couldn't there was nothing in me that thought that I could get you to understand what I was feeling he was like what do you mean I was like dad I don't get out of bed until I have to go to work in Mount Vernon because the only reason I went to work was because I worked with two of my best friends who both have your guys' numbers, who if I don't show up, they're going to text you. He was like, well, what do you mean? How do you feel? And I was like, that's the thing. I can't tell you. I'm in a fog. I have no motivation to do anything. I don't even have a motivation to go to work and do theater anymore. And then that's when I saw it click in him. He was like, okay, something's wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially even with school is when they, they started noticing. Because I love what I'm doing in school. Now that I'm out of high school, I love school. But I was failing. I had E's. I didn't even know you could get E's. <laughs> That's lower than an F. He was like, okay, what is going on? I was like, I never should have gone to Columbus. And he goes, okay, well, what do we need to do? Right. So what steps did you need to take to get into the solution? What we first did was we emailed housing and I said, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. I'm moving. I moved back home after fall semester. I had, I actually only ended with two failing grades. I had emailed all of my professors and I typed out this whole long thing. I told them everything. 
that had been going on. How I hadn't gone out of bed, how all of this stuff. And two of them were like, okay, here's what you can do. We'll get you up to a C. And I did. One of them, he was like, he goes, honey, I'm so sorry. I wish I could help you. If you would have emailed me sooner, we would have 100% gotten you to a C. It would have been fine. You wouldn't have even had to come to class. And I was like, I know. I know. It's on me. So then I moved back home. All of my stuff. And then I met with Pablo. I think that was genuinely harder than meeting with my parents. Because I had to tell him that I'd been lying to him and that I wasn't okay. I knew how he was going to handle it and I knew that he was going to be fine and he wasn't going to... But I had such a fear of him just being like disappointed in me. Girl, who are you telling? Yeah. <laughs> I was like... I was... Because he had texted me and called me, I think, the most out of anybody while I was in Columbus. And he was like, I'm like 20 minutes away. Come sleep at our house. Come do this. Come do that. The only person that knew anything while I was living in Columbus that was wrong was my cousin Thaddeus. Because he lived down the road from me and he showed up at my dorm. And he was like, what the hell are you doing? This is not okay. But meeting with Papa was probably the hardest thing. And that's what set me because he was also like, what is going on? And so I told him everything and he goes, okay, that's fine. He goes, it's in the past. You can't do anything to fix it now. He goes, all you can do is go back to Newark and try to fix it. Get your shit back together. Because he goes, I don't care if it takes you six more years to graduate with your undergrad. He goes, all we care about is you. He goes, we can get a million diplomas, but we can only get you once. Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's crazy how addiction and mental health are so similar Mm -hmm. in many ways by the isolation Mm -hmm. and it just does so much to isolate yourself from everybody because you feel like you have to yeah it's the only way that the secret will not be revealed but really you're doing nothing but keeping yourself from help Mm -hmm. and keeping yourself from sanity and hope and so many things that asking for help can do for somebody especially your loved ones because they want to see you succeed no matter what you think they're going to think of you nine times out of ten they're going to be really freaking proud of you for saying something What are your suggestions for the younger generation that may feel the need to drink or use drugs to fit in? I mean, you genuinely don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But also just, you have to trust yourself and you need to know what's going on around you, but also know what's going on inside your head. I think that's what stopped me the most is I know that if I do something too much, I'm going to get, I'm riddled with the addiction gene. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, I feel like so many of the younger generation maybe aren't connecting the fact that so-and-so in your family is an addict and so-and-so and so-and-so and and whatever. 
you can carry that oh gene. yeah it gets it, passed down yes and it can absolutely like my sister said in the last episode it can be in many forms mm-hmm. addiction and they're all not pretty none oh, of yeah, them no um the shopping the the eating whatever it can be anything yeah it runs on both sides of my family my dad's side is riddled with it and then our side and that's amazing that you're aware of that yeah and i have been for really like a really long time because i'm i'm very observant person i may not always be able to connect everything i'm a little slower than some but i always know what's going on but yeah you just you really have to be aware and if you're with like people who you think are your friends and they're the ones that are like forcing you to drink and stuff those aren't your friends exactly they are not because my friends they don't care if i drink all of them drink and they don't care so yeah you don't have to feel pressured make that known too that you are strong enough to not feel pressured right you need to be confident Mm -hmm. in stating that it is just not something that you want to do and again I, i just want to reiterate what chloe just said that if your friends are pressuring you to try a drug or to drink get new friends yeah what the fuck <laughs> like seriously yeah no one should ever make you feel like you have to do no. something like that what is a question that you have for me one question i have always had is i know all of it was really really hard but now being clean having a clear mind about all of it and thinking back do you see now, because I know when, when addicts are in the thing, you think everyone's like attacking you and they're coming for you and everything. Do you see now that like they were just worried or like how mom and Donnie maybe and all of them, they wouldn't let you hold the kids for too long or they wouldn't let you around us for too long. And it wasn't, it was for our best interest because they didn't know what was going on with you either. Like, how did you feel when something like that would go on when i was in my addiction yeah it was hurtful Mm -hmm. but again i truly believed that i was getting away with it Mm -hmm. i thought that nobody saw what was going on again my parents were very manipulated but my sisters saw it very quickly and they even confronted me multiple times without even my parents being involved so I would say that when I was in it, yeah, I took offense to it. I also was just always a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. I was defensive over absolutely everything. If someone looked at me sideways, I was ready to fight. Like, (laughs) and it was constant. It really was. It was with my family. It was with anyone that I came in contact with, really. But now, you know, looking at it now, it's laughable to me that I ever got defensive Mm -hmm. like I literally said it last week I came in like a tornado no one ever knew what they were gonna get with me I was a very very difficult person to be around and yeah I mean I totally get it I never when I got clean I definitely wasn't like all right well now you assholes gotta apologize (laughs) to me (laughs) like it definitely was not like that If anything, I still, to this day, I've done amends with, you know, immediate family. And I just, I can't imagine 
coming out of a situation like that with like, you know, 15 plus years of addiction and the (laughs) shit that I put everyone through and ever thinking that anyone was in the wrong for their behavior towards me. So yeah, I mean, it's really cool now to look at it and totally understand where everyone was coming from. They were all trying to help me. Mm -hmm. Everyone was trying to help me. Everyone was trying to get me, you know, help. But it just took so much longer for me to accept the help. So, yeah, I I mean, that's what I would say. Well, Chloe, I absolutely loved having you here, watching you grow into the woman that you are today and taking on real life issues and handling them head on as an adult. I am truly so proud of who you are today. I will always regret the time that I missed with you while I was sick, but I am thankful every single day for the relationship that we have today. And I love you so much. I love you. We are going to end with our quote of the week. Never be ashamed of a scar. It simply means you were stronger than whatever tried to hurt you. I like that a lot. I know. That's really good. It it made me really emotional. Yeah, it's a good one, and it's an unknown, um, um, an unknown source that that wrote that, but it's it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Be kind, be a good person, and take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>